You understand that. All our cancer survivors can tell you. Ooh, that's real. One of the things that concerns me is last month we did domestic violence. You remember I done messages that would deal with domestic violence and, and, and how so many, you remember one out of every four women, one out of every seven men in domestic violence and how, how hard that is. And then we talked about, if you remember, even how much domestic violence goes on even in the church. And I said that because of the pulpit, because sometimes we hide behind the scriptures and we hide behind things that are not so. God would not allow anyone to live in a situation or circumstance like that. And when they use certain times, people use scriptures to, to, to bind other people. And anyone that would use a scripture that would say someone that should be in that situation should stay in that situation, that is not so. That is not so. How can it say the husbands love your wife as, as Christ loved the church? And then I ain't no place I've ever seen where Christ, huh, done any domestic violence to the church. That's right. That's well, right. there's another thing that concerns me, and we're afraid to talk about it. And if you, you I, I've been using scriptures like Satan comes to kill, Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Haven't I been using those? And today, we want, it's going to sound like I'm repeating myself, but I'm not repeating myself. There is a reason that Pastor Fields is trying to get these messages out. And the first Peter 5 and 8 says, it lets us know that it is never over and, and, and it's, you're never safe. The, the thing that will get you in trouble is when you think you're safe. If you want all hell to break loose in your life, think you're safe. You know, uh, there's a coach at Alabama, some, a football coach called Nick Saban, and they were talking about how good his team was, and he was telling the media he was sick of them feeding his team rat poison. And what they didn't get what he was saying, he said they were feeding them poison because some of those people would, would buy into how good you say they are. And, and he's the coach, and you ain't good unless I say you are. Well, sometimes what happens to us as Christians, we get to thinking that we safe, that we got enough, that we don't need to come to church, Bible study. We don't need to do the things that's going to help us to become stronger. You know, we think we're safe. And let me tell you something. Never forget what I'm saying. You are never safe. That's right. You, you might think you're safe because you have an enemy. That's why it's called spiritual warfare. First Peter 5 and 8 tells us this. And from the voice it says, be disciplined and stay on guard. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. So we have to have spiritual discipline and stay on guard. We got to stay on watch. Listen to me. The devil is trying to destroy you. And it's amazing to me that people don't get that. It is amazing. With all the stuff that's going on now, I mean, I mean right now in New York they're having a marathon uh, race in New York. They got almost an army out there. They got more cops and army people out there to protect the people who are running because we live in a time where Satan is, is going around trying to find out who he can devour. Right? And some of you all know that when you go to, some of you all that used to go and never look, you looking now. Yeah, you pay attention. Now some of us came from, you know, we, some of us came from the, from the other uh, zip code. We were used to doing that. Yeah, hey, well, how am I going to get out this mug if something goes down in here? Yes, we know that. Right. And I was one that done that, so I know that. But now, now the little conservative people are afraid because we know Satan is trying to kill us. Right. He's, trying to, he's trying to kill us and destroy us, and he's trying to tear up relationships and all these things. I have never, 
I am 71 years old. I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and I ain't heard so much racial prejudice then than I'm hearing now. Well. Not only with African men, I'm just everybody. Somebody's mad at somebody, right? Who's behind it? Who's behind it? Medication is off the chain that's killing people, right? Who's behind all of this? And every time they thought they had one thing fixed, Satan comes up with another thing to tear us down. Right. All right, keep going, please. The Bible says, just waiting and hoping for the chance to devour someone. He's waiting for a chance to devour someone. You see, the, you, before you become a drug addict, somebody's got to introduce you to drugs. That's right. Isn't that right? You don't do that on your own. So he, he, you, listen to me, before you become an alcoholic, somebody's got to introduce you to alcohol, right? That's right. I mean, people, it, the thing that really gets to me is when I hear certain things uh, uh, about people getting in certain situations and circumstances, especially the last one I heard about, this young lady was raped, yes, and that happens, and so we can say that here. And they said, well, her friends left her. You know, then the friends don't do that. Because friends know that together, Christian brothers and sisters don't do that. Christians and brothers and sisters don't leave somebody in a vulnerable place. I mean, maybe some of you all do. Church people may, but Christians don't. We protect one another. That's right. Because we know that no matter where we're at, there's the possibility of something happen to someone that we love. So if we love them, we protect them because we know that the devil is what? Waiting for a chance to devour someone. So it's telling us that we need to do. Stay on guard. Now, the issue is... Here's the issue here. Nobody can hurt you unless you let them in. That's right. You see, do you understand? Is anybody with me this morning? All right, here we go. And again, in John 10, 10 from the King James, it says that the thief, the thief cometh not, but for to st steal and to kill now he and to destroy. He's come, Satan wants to kill you. He comes to steal and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to tear families. Listen, the first institution in the Bible is what? That God ordained. Marriage. All right? Who hates marriage more than Satan? He hates marriage and he hates family, so he does everything he can to destroy marriages and to destroy families. That's what he does. All right? But Jesus tells us, I have come that they might have life. And Jesus wants to give us what? Life. life. He didn't come to kill us. He come to give us life. And I'm not talking about dead, dead. I'm talking about life full of life and energy and, and vitality. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and go ahead. And not just life, Pastor, but that they may have it more abundantly. And that they may have it more abundantly. If somebody wants to do, some of you all got some jealous, you've been jealous before, but right. you got some jealous friends. That's why I don't have a lot of people around me because you get a lot of people around you, somebody jealous. Right, you understand? And what they will do is they will try to take that life and that abundance that you have away from you. That's right. Oh, yeah, they will. That's right. Oh, yeah, they will. You have to watch and be careful of who you put in your space, right? Because Satan can use people as a vehicle to destroy your life, right? And the thing that gets me, there are people sitting here. It never happened to me, really. Really. It's always the people that it will never happen to that it happens to. That's right. Right. You know, and that's, that's been going for years. You ever look on it? And to some of us, to some of us that we have movie stars and we have comedians and we think they have everything and they make people laugh. And then years later, they commit suicide. And we're like, wow, we thought they were happy. No, they were making you laugh. They weren't laughing. Do you understand what, I, what I'm saying? And, 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 and the best way, and the best way to start at killing anything. We've done the strong man. I'll go with the strong man first. Remember last week, I used this message. 
I use this message about a strong man. Now, a strong man or woman, but the Bible says man because you remember when it was written, it was written. So strong man or woman. So don't get all offended, women, if I say strong man because the Bible wrote strong man, but some of you all are in the house and you are the strong man because you let a weak man get, get in there, so you had to man up. All right, all right, so, 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 so since you, come on here, so, so, you, so re really you're the man of your house. Because right. there ain't no other man around. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about up in here. Right. Somebody knows what I'm talking about up here. So when I say strong man, Brother Nathan, I can talk to you because we, we real. When I say strong man, that's man or woman, all right? So I ain't leaving you out in here. So the Bible tells us what will happen, all right? From the Amplified Version, Mark 3 and 27 says that no one can go into a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first empowers and ties up the strong man and then he will ransack and rob his house. So what he's trying to do is come into your house and tear it up and ransack your house. And he can't do that, ladies, unless he first bounds you at the door. He can't do that, gentlemen, unless he first gets you at the door. That's right. Because he comes after the doorkeeper. You can't get in unless you get the doorkeeper. Are you with me? Am I doing all right? Are we going we gonna to get it together in here? Because we want to be people that's able to protect themselves. All right, keep going, please. And it says, from the message, do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? So you can't walk in the man's house in broad daylight unless you tie him up first. And some, come on, ladies, he can't walk in your house and bind you unless he ties you up first. And then he's going to come in and destroy your children. Everything you got, he wants to destroy. See, when people, you ever go around and say, oh, God has blessed me with this? You just angered Satan. Because he wants to come and destroy what God has given you. That's right. Do you understand what That's I'm right. saying? All right? The scripture says, tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. So if you tie him up, you can clean him out. Some of y'all done done that. In here, thought you was doing good, had a little money saved, right? Doing really good, nice house, night car. Satan got in there, caused that separation and divorce, and you got cleaned out. Well, it happens all the time. Come on, folks. It happens. Come on. It happens all the time. That's just real. That's just real. And the reason it is because last week, Pastor told y'all, don't be unequally yoked. The Bible said that. You got unequally yoked with an unbeliever, and they saw what you had. They wasn't about you. It's what you did have. Right, that's just real, right? Sometimes we get in church, we want to act like uh, none of this stuff is real. So strong men, let me tell you something. If you want to tear up something, first of all, I'm going to the men right now. Men, we need, and women, and mothers, and fathers, we need to pay attention to what is going on. One of the worst statistics now, were men, I'm talking to men. Listen to me, men. And listen, the rest of you listen to me. One of the worst statistics in this country, we done spouse, excuse me, domestic violence last week. Do you know what it is? Suicide. Suicide in this country is off the chain, and we refuse to talk about it. But suicide, Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. So what is suicide? Killing. So he can convince people that their condition is so bad that they have no hope and they commit suicide. Do you understand? See, when you take a man's hope away, you got him. 
When you take a man's hope away, he has no place else to go. He has nothing else to reach for. So Satan will try to steal your hope. And once he steals your hope, you have no way out, and it causes men to commit suicide. And here we go. An estimated one million people worldwide take their lives by suicide. A million people kill themselves because they have no hope. Next, keep going. In the state of Missouri, on average, one person dies by suicide every eight hours. Every eight hours in the state of Missouri, somebody's killing themselves. Who's behind that? Satan's behind that because he takes away their hope. And he binds them. He comes in and he destroys inside. Now, I'm not talking about just inside the mouth. It can be inside your head. He can get inside your head and steal your hope. And when you have no hope, people do that. And it happens a lot of times where everybody's standing around and say, well, we didn't know that. Well, we need to get to knowing that. Right? Because nobody wants to talk about it. But we need to talk about it. There are people in this room. You don't know their condition. You don't know their pain. You ain't walking in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through. All right. Worldwide, one person commits suicide every 40 seconds. Every 40 seconds. How many people have died since you've been in this building because of suicide? Who's behind that? Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. And we're scared to talk about it. Do you sit and talk to your kids about this thing? Do you see what happens? They buried a young lady from a school up north. I won't give the school because somebody can remember. know the young lady. Up north, this school had three people in one week to try. One got it done. Not together. One school. And nobody knew anything because we're scared to talk about it. All right? We're scared to preach about it. We're scared to call it what it is. Satan is coming to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he's doing it in the state of Missouri and, and in this country. Eight every 40 seconds. Just when I got through talking there, four folks, two folks died. Since you've been in there, no telling how many's been. All right? And men, we are four times more likely to die by suicide than females. Did you know that? Men are four times likely to die by female. If you want to kill the body, kill the head. Kill the head. If you can get the men, you can get the women and the children. Yes. So when he comes into the house... Let's kill the men. And see, see, some of you looking at me like strange. I'm not the one that done these statistics. We need to listen to this. We don't know who is sitting in here today who may have thought about it last week or today. Because somebody's telling hope. We're trying to get folks hope up in here. You guys got friends and family members. You need to be prepared for this. Okay? We're acting like it's a secret. Shouldn't be a secret. Because Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy and he starts about, I'm going to take my life because I have no reason to live. Do you know how down you have to be well, when you have no reason to live? That's right. And I guarantee you somebody in here has tried it. All right? And pastor, the highest are middle-aged white men. Yeah. They're supposed to have everything. Come on, come on, come on. Don't even go there with me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're supposed to have everything. Man, they got the houses and the cars and the jobs. High suicide rate, meaning everything ain't everything. That's right. That's right. Because sometimes everything is nothing if you don't have hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Sometimes we admire the wrong folk. We're saying, I want to look back. And you, he would probably say, no, you don't want to be like me. Because right. I got all the stuff. But I have nothing inside of me that wants to keep me alive. All right? But females think and attempt suicide twice as often as males. They think twice, but they do it less. Can I say it? That sounds just like the women, don't it? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? They think twice, but they do it less. That's right. Okay. Suicide costs the U.S. 51 billion annually. Suicide, that's what it costs the U.S. It's a lot of money. Okay, keep going. And more years of life are lost to suicide than any other single cause except heart disease and cancer. And some of you all hearing that for the first, isn't that, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Listen here. The third leading cause of death for black males under, in the age of 15 to 24, suicide. The third leading cause for African-American males, 15 to 24, is suicide. And most of you in here would have thought it was homicide. And we up here talking about homicide. And suicide is killing our boys. Who's behind it? And who's behind you not knowing it? Do you understand? Who's trying to keep it a secret? Satan don't want you to know. He wants you to think about heart attacks. And he wants you to think. No, he doesn't want you to think about young black men, 15 to 24, because everybody in here, if you didn't know this statistic, would have swore it would be homicide, not suicide. But the Bible lets us know that the reason this is going on is because Satan comes to what? Kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he does. And we're sitting around acting like everything's all right. But not in Christ Temple North. We are not afraid in Christ Temple North, are we? To deal with the real issues. You all have children and grandchildren and maybe yourself. You need to listen to this. I guarantee you that I looked at all of those children back there, that's back there with Trevor now, I guarantee you that half of them have thought about it. Well, all of them have heard about it. They go to school. That's right. And I hate this statistic. I hate this statistic. And probably 75% of their parents ain't never talked about it. Have no clue. You see, have you talked to your spouse? Do you really know how she feels? You really, have you talked to your spouse? Do you really know how he feels? You're in a relationship with somebody. Do you really know how they feel? Jeez. Have you talked to them about it? Have you asked them where's their mindset at? What's bothering you? What's troubling you? You understand? Let me tell you. I'm going to say married couples so y'all don't go out here and go crazy. Sister Gwen and I, every, every, say every. Every. Every night talk about nothing but just us for at least 45 minutes to an hour every night about what's going on, how you feel. Sometimes just fun. You got to communicate. You got to communicate with your children, people you're in a relationship with, you see, because you don't know who's lost hope. And sometimes, sometimes you can speak life into people. Do you know that? Because the word of God is life and you can speak these words into people and you can speak life and you can call Satan a liar and you can say you're a liar, take your hands off whoever you're praying for and speak life into them. The word of God gives us life. 
So we need to speak life into these people. You see? And sometimes you speak life into these people by your testimony. Because people need to know, oh, I was there once. I know how you feel. We want to hide everything. We want to hide everything. But no, we don't need to hide anymore. We're not going to hide behind this Bible. And we're not going to hide behind our clothes. And we're not going to hide behind our position. The Bible says ye shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And this is something we need to deal with. I got a lot of stuff here, so I'll see what we can do, okay? All right, all right, all right. Jude. The pastor being disciplined and staying on guard, Jude tells us, You, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes, see, here's where it goes, people. Look at me. You have to do a whole lot of praying. But as one of the scriptures says, I don't know what to pray for. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for you and pray. We have to come to church. We have to have devotion. We have to come to Sunday school. We have to come to Bible study. We have to build ourselves up in the faith because there will be a time in your life, if you ain't been there, keep living. There will be a time in your life where you ain't got nothing else to hold on to but faith. That's right. You see, see, see some of us have been through some stuff. We can tell you. Some of us has buried our parents. And we can tell you, some of us have fought cancer. We can tell you, some of us have been terrified by cancer. We can tell you, when you lay in there, ain't, you ain't got nothing left but faith. And the people who have saw, who have done this, will tell you they were impotent. They couldn't help mama, couldn't help daddy, couldn't help their brother, couldn't help their sister, couldn't help their daughter, couldn't help their son. The only thing they could have was faith. If you ain't been there, you keep living. You'll understand it. And I hope it's later than sooner because some of us know, some of you sitting there know what I know, how it is to lose somebody. And if you ain't built up your faith and you ain't built up in the Holy Spirit, if you're not, you'll fall apart. That's right. All right? The scripture goes on to say, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And sometimes the only thing you got, Brother James, is God's mercy. Some of us know it. That's it. We ain't got nothing else to hold on to but his mercy. Because you're handicapped. Right. See, some of you, I hope you don't, but when you experience some stuff that you think is going to take you up out of here, and, and you ain't ready to go right now because I ain't one of them, you know, I'm preaching, oh, I'm ready to go see Jesus. No. They'll say, Pastor, when do you think the end of the world's coming? I said, I hope it's not for a few years because I got some more things I need to get done. That's right. You know. Yeah, right. you know, Green Bay's got to win another Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you see, I got some things I got to get. You know what I'm saying? Oklahoma's got to get another national championship. So the way they're going, I'm here a long time here. But anyway, you see what I'm saying? There are some things in life. But when you get to the point, listen to me, where you get to thinking about, whoa. And the only thing you got is his mercy. It's his mercy. Because you can't figure it out. And you don't know when, what, where, and how. And all you got is his mercy. All right. The message says, you, dear friends, carefully bind yourselves up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. You got to pray in the Holy Spirit and bind yourself up. You got to bind yourself up in it. I can promise you all one thing. Trouble will find you. That's right. No, no I can promise you. No, I don't care. You feeling good today and everything going? Trouble will find you. And it ain't about the devil sometimes. It's just called life. All right? 
staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. So in other words, sometimes you got to be outstretched. The only person I can reach for is Christ because he's the only one not right now that can help me in this situation and circumstance. You know, I was in the hospital a while back, and I told you I broke my spirit. The first time ever my spirit had been broken. That pain was just off, off the chart, and there was nothing there. There were nurses there. There were doctors there. You heard Isaac, seven different types of medications taken away. Gwen, but people who loved me there, but nothing took the pain away until later on the next day. Only thing I had was God's mercy. And, and let me tell you, that was the only prayer I could pray because it couldn't move. Because if you moved, it hurt. And my greatest prayer was, God, have mercy. You understand? See, people don't know the difference, and a lot of people want to come and see me. There's a difference between mechanical and organs. When it's mechanical, it means it's in your bones. And people want to come, then that means you got to move. You got to get them down. And I wouldn't want to get them down. I wanted to sleep. They wanted me to stay asleep. And my family was awesome. There was only one family member there at a time, and a couple times too, because they knew that they didn't want me to, I didn't want to, no, I didn't want to talk, I wanted to be like this, and I wanted to not wake, well, I wanted to wake up, but I'm telling you, I want to stay asleep. I want to stay asleep. And I moved because it, that pain was there, and the only prayer that I could pray there because my spirit was broken, yes, your pastor's spirit was broken, and he said, Lord, have mercy. Do you understand? Sometimes we talk too much. We ask for too much. All I wanted was his mercy. And then they found out I was over. And then and the next day I was like, you know, I saw me and said, what's wrong with him? It's God's mercy. That's right. Hope you never get there. But in case you do, know who to call on. Sometimes you don't need a long prayer. Lord's prayer is a beautiful prayer. But a great prayer is, Lord, send me your mercy. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is praying without ceasing from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. And, and, and it teaches us something here. It, it teaches us something that we need, okay? And then in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. And, and see, now what, I didn't know. No, y'all can do that when you get home. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It means pray when you're driving. Pray, 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 pray. And when you can't do anything, do what? Pray anyhow. Keep praying. Pray on top of the prayer. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? On, I was, Sister Gwen was at the dentist and, uh, Friday, I think, and she was there, uh, and they said some complications at the dentist because they had to do some cutting and all that kind of stuff, and that's why she's not here today because she's there, and they got to put something in there, put a new teeth for us, whatever she's doing. You see, I just left mine out. But anyway, whatever she's doing, they're doing, and, and she's having a reaction with the medication. And, 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 and a bad reaction, because, you know, medication is bad. But while she was at the dentist, I thought I would slip to a store and go down to this and, and, and pay a bill. And so, because she was going to be in there for two hours, and, you know, I didn't wait two hours. I couldn't go in there. And I'm driving down the highway, and I'm looking, and I always give people plenty of space. And I see this is about to happen. This is not going to be good at all. And I see this person cut this car over, and the car rolls over, and rolls over three or four times. I stop on the side of the road, and your know, cars are flying by because nobody cares. And I walk over there, and this, another guy walks there, and this little old lady is in this car, right? And she's in shock. And she's standing up, and we show how good God is, God's mercy. I know she was a Christian. Soon as I was talking to her, 
Another guy came out. He says, I'm a paramedic. I'm on my way to work. That's God. God sent a pastor and a paramedic at the exact same time in her life. Now, that's God's mercy. That's God's mercy. Do you understand what I'm talking about? He will be there. I know she was a Christian. You see, God's good. God's good. You see, all, all they needed me was for prayer. They needed him to tell her what to, what to do. And, of course, they got her out of there and everything. Was, she, she looked okay. I'm like, wow, thank you, God, for putting me in a place to be able to help somebody else. That's what prayer does because prayer sometimes is not for you. It's for you to be in a place to help somebody else. All right? Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, first from the message says, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Let me tell you something. When Satan comes to the door, do what? Stand your ground. All right. And don't hold back. And don't hold back. Sometimes you got to talk in tongues. That's right. Come on. You ain't coming up in here. See, see everybody thinks I'm a bad guy. But sometimes you got to get with folk. That's right. Stand your ground. No is no. No is no. You see? It ain't no I'm thinking about. It. No, you ain't coming over here. I don't care if it is Thanksgiving. That's right. I don't care if it is Christmas. You ain't coming over here. That's right. No is the answer. All right? Again, it says don't hold back. Uh-huh. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. See, and the work of the master for us heads of the house is to protect our families. You see? God don't care nothing about, when he comes to get me, he ain't care nothing about me being a pastor. Husband first, father second, grandfather now, friends, and then what I'm doing up here. There's some folk, the devil can do preach. It's who you are, not what you do that counts. That's right. That's right. All right. You love me? All right. You're learning? You're going to stand your ground? No means what? No. All right. The scripture says, being confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I don't do anything that's a waste of time or effort. If I'm doing it for God, it's not a waste of time or effort. And sometimes it's just speaking to somebody, holding the door. Sometimes it's going across the freeway in the middle of the traffic to pray for somebody. All right. The voice says, my dear brothers and sisters, stay firmly planted. Be unshakable. If I'm, I'm going to be firmly planted and unshakable, and you know what that means? It doesn't matter how lonely I am. It doesn't matter how lonely I am. I'm not going to be shook up like Elvis Presley. Some don't know Elvis Presley was. I'm all shook up. Uh huh. Yeah. But anyway, you see what I'm saying? Because I'm not going to allow anybody to shake me or anything to shake me to the point that I lose my purpose and my work for the master. That's right. Do you understand? And every one of you have a work and a purpose for the master. That's right. Do you understand me? All right. It says, "Do many good works in the name of God, and know that all your labor is not for nothing." When it is for God. I'm going to work hard and I'm working for the Lord because my labor is not in vain. This ain't hard to what I do. 
God has blessed me and anointed me with a gift. This ain't no work. There's a reward for doing this. That's right. You see? All right. Now we go to Amplified. Is that right? And finally, the Amplified says, my beloved brothers and sisters. I like this. My beloved brothers and sisters. Be steadfast. What? Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always excelling in the work of the Lord. Excelling in the work of the Lord. Be what? Steadfast. Unmovable. And excelling in the work of the Lord. Ask yourself that. What have you done for God lately? Do you know that God, when people, one of the worst things, that I hear this all the time. Well, if God is God, especially when they start going to college and they try to drain you away from it. If God is God, why are there people hungry? You know why God, why people are hungry? Because God's people who claim to be God's servants ain't feeding them. That's right. Do you understand? Do you know why children are being molested in homes? Because ungodly people are having children because they've got mixed, unlegally yoked with folks, right? God doesn't have to come down and feed anybody. We throw enough food away in America in one day to feed a country, a third world country, every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we blaming things on God is our responsibility. If every Christian would do the work of God, would nobody be hungry? That's right. Do you understand? That's right. Oh. But you know, let me say this. Don't get upset. I say, I ain't upset, Pastor. God's people are not even obedient to pay 10% of tithes to him. Well, setting in the church. Well, Come on, don't, I know some of you don't pay tithes. I'm just saying, he said, do that. You, you know, it ain't wrong. It's just being disobedient. I didn't say that. He said that. You see, he said, if you pay them, I'll give you 100 fold. That's what it says in there. Right. No, but we pay those credit card companies 10%, 90%, and all percents and everything percents. And get nothing back, but we won't pay God his 10%. Some of you all just get it in the mail. Take it out. That's how I do mine. Yeah, I do mine because if I get my hands on this, it, gone. So it just comes right out. Yes, your pastor pays tithes. And the first lady pays tithes. Because it's the work of the Lord. That's right. And God's work goes on. And them lights pretty? They pay us for them. Every time they turn them on, we had to pay for them lights to come on. Keep reading. Get me out of here. That's right. <laughs> It goes on to say, always doing your best and doing more than is needed. You're always doing your best, doing more than is needed. You see, here's what gets people caught up. Do your best and more than is needed. You see, do your best and more than is needed. It's incredible. I just use the praise team. The praise team, you know, they got a captain. Y'all think, I'm bad. They got a sergeant. They got Lombardi for real. You see, you see, the praise team is supposed to do more, you know. They're not supposed to just practice on Saturdays, and they hear every Saturday. You're supposed to be doing some of this stuff at home. That's right. Do more because I want to be better. I want to excel. I want to sing like the very angels at the throne of God. Anybody with a position in the title in there ought to do that. Do you see? Well, I didn't get more email. All right. Okay. All right. Keep going. Pastor, it says, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. There ain't nothing I can do for God is wasted. If I pick up a piece of paper in the sanctuary, God will bless me. Because there's nothing I can do. For God, I won't do the commentary. We'll go right on down to Jude. All right. Now turn to Jude chapter 24, or excuse me, Jude 24 and 25. And it says, now to the one who can keep you upright 
and plant you firmly in his presence. See, I'm talking about, I want to be kept upright. Huh? Upright. Steadfast. Unmovable. Go ahead. Clean, unmarked, and joyful in the light of his glory. Clean, unmarked, and joyful in the light of his glory. Who wouldn't want to live like that? All right, here we go. Last one. To the one and only God, our Savior, through Jesus the anointed, our Lord, be glory and greatness and might and authority, just as it has been since before he created time. May it continue now and into eternity. Amen. Amen. Did you learn something this morning? Did you really like what you heard this morning? 30 seconds. You can do it in 30. 15 seconds. Commentary. Because you all clap like you like it, so why would I not read the commentary? Paul leaves us with his final good advice. If we follow these instructions with God's help, we will be well on our way in the recovery process. We are called to minister to others, a part of recovery that gives hope to others and reinforces our own success. Paul tells us to rebuild our relationships by repaying the wrongs of others with kindness. We are called to live a joyful life, always continual, helping presence in our life. God gives us what we need to succeed in recovery. Our part is to participate in the good plan he has set out for us. Ask yourself, are you that person? Give God a hand clap.